What's going on, y'all? Before we get started on this Tuesday night edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, which we recorded live from the Indianapolis Downtown Convention Center, I want to tell you how you can join the friends of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. If you aren't already a subscriber, then please text me to join the community to get daily insight, analysis, and breaking news from myself, Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, Scott Pasco, and the rest of our Browns team. Here's my number, 216-208-3965. Text me to get a free trial, and you can cancel at any time. Again, I remind you, 216-208-3965. Text my number to get signed up to become friends of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. You can cancel at any time, but I'm confident you won't. I'm serious. Let's get the show started. Hello and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name's Ellis Williams, recording with our fellow Browns beat writers, Dan Lobby and Mary Kay Cabot. My friends, how you two doing? Doing great. How you doing? Doing well in Indianapolis here, trying to stay warm. Exactly, exactly. So as Dan said, we're here in Indianapolis uh, at the NFL Scouting Combine on location. Real busy day today. Um, Quarterbacks talk, tight ends, receivers, and then on the Browns side, we heard from General Manager Andrew Barry and Coach Kevin Stefanski. So, guys, let's just jump right into it. Um, loaded day. We're all juggling a lot of different things. Uh, what stood out from you uh, when we, we look back on the day that was? Well, I think one of the uh, the things today was that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski talked a lot about uh, the different players that we just really weren't sure how you know how do you feel about David Njoku? How do you feel about uh, Kareem Hunt? Odell Beckham Jr., Olivier Vernon. Um, out of that group, let's start with Odell because when we walked away from that, the three of us, I think we all uh, kind of uh, our eyebrows were raised a little bit when I asked Andrew Barry, you know, would you listen to, are you 100% committed to Odell Beckham Jr., or would you listen to trade offers? He basically said, I would pick up the phone and I would listen to trade offers. Now, he also said uh, Odell is a part of our future, but I think he made it clear that uh, that he will listen to trade offers, and as you as you pointed out, uh, Rick Spielman, yeah. when they mentioned Stefan Diggs, it was kind of like, no, right? You know, we're you know he's not, you know, we are not going there. So, I think it was significant. I mean, I think Andrew Barry's basically saying, yeah, I'm open for business. If you want to give me a call, you know, we're, we will do anything we can to improve this football team. Yeah, didn't it sound eerily similar to last year when John Dorsey picked up his phone off the podium and said, my phone's right here in regards to Antonio Brown and then also Odell Beckham Jr. And then a few weeks later, there we go, Odell Beckham Jr. is a member of the Cleveland Browns. So, um, you know, not saying it's going to happen, but again, he was very, he didn't just shut it down. And, And I do think that's, when you're listening to these press conferences and what these guys are saying publicly, you have to do a lot of reading between the lines. Right. And you make some assumptions, and you kind of, kind of try and figure out why did he say something this way instead of that way. And, you know, I, I kind of agree with um, with the idea that because that answer was just a little bit different, right. you know, maybe there is something to the idea that they'll take some actual calls on him. Yeah, I mean, it does, again, it doesn't mean anything is going to happen. What it does mean is if some team, and we already heard one little rumor that, uh, you know, that if he were going to be dealt somewhere, he would welcome a trade to the Jets. Now, I, I don't see that happening. I, I do not see the Jets trading for him. But um, but I do think that, 
Uh, if somebody wants to actually have a conversation, that they will be open to doing that. And why does it lend itself to that? I think in part because look at what everything that we went through last year with Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, there was just a lot of talk about the whole come get me. There was, uh, I don't know about my you know, future here and those kinds of things. Even though he put a bow on it at the end of the season and said, uh, I will be here. It's too special not to be here. Uh, there was plenty of talk about, hey, not really sure where this is going. Yeah, and it almost seems fitting with how loaded this draft class is at the receiver position. Um, with all the receivers coming out today and talking, it felt like even the side tables were just filled with talent. Uh, you, you know, University of Minnesota Golden Gophers, Tyler Johnson was standing there at, at a, sitting there at a side table and uh, you know, he was one of the Big Ten's best receivers this year and couldn't even get a main spot on the podiums. That's how loaded this class is. And, again, we keep, we keep echoing this, not saying anything's necessarily going to happen with Odell Beckham Jr. or even Jarvis Landry, for that matter. But if you're going to try and find the heir apparent and start grooming someone to be the next receiver in Cleveland, this draft would make a lot of sense. I just mentioned Tyler Johnson. Um, oddly enough, K.J. Hill talked today and mentioned Jarvis Landry as one of his uh, idols, someone he models his game after. He even said, given the opportunity to ask Jarvis a question, he would ask about who has better hands, one, one-handed catches, you know. And he didn't mention Odell, but o- that's the catch Odell uh, made famous. So there's, there's some talented receivers in this class that could come in and, uh, look, learn from two of the game's best or maybe replace them if Andrew Barry gets the right price. That's what it sounded like. And the other thing is, Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry are, are both coming off of surgeries. Yep. So, I mean, I do think that you kind of have to keep your eyes peeled for other prospects, for other ideas, and other thoughts. And when Andrew Barry says, hey, I'm going to be aggressive, you know, I just think you just have to realize that anything is possible at this point. Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't make that trade for him. Right, exactly. You know, and I know... Uh, they like to talk about, well, everybody is a, is a Cleveland Brown. We don't care about this guy or that guy. But the reality is you can't help but care about this guy or that guy. There's a reason that David Njoku went from, hey, could they cut him to, hey, maybe they kind of like David Njoku again. It's because there's a new front office involved, and it have, involves someone who was a part of trading up to draft David Njoku. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know that they'll actually find a deal they'd want to make. But I do think it's significant that you're, you're dealing with two guys in Landry who's coming off surgery, Odell who was disappointing last year and was hurt all of last year. And you're trying to count on these guys with your, your young quarterback. And I do wonder, you know, maybe there's an analytics argument too to having so much money tied up in those two receivers. And you could move on from Jarvis Landry pretty cheaply. You could move on from Odell Beckham pretty cheaply. And, and I think that that's something to take into consideration as well. Yeah, and then hey, let's talk about a player like a David Njoku that you just brought up there, Dan. Uh, David Njoku was not long for this team yeah. at the end of last year, okay? If Freddie Kitchens was back, and even if John Dorsey was back, I highly doubt that David Njoku was going to be back. He was from the Sashi Brown regime. He was drafted in part by Andrew Barry, who obviously is back. And now, all of a sudden, he's back in good graces to the point where they're talking about possibly picking up his fifth-year option. Yeah, yeah. That, that felt like the sneaky surprise today. Right. You know, Their the, the open arm embrace of David Njoku, just from what we experienced during the season, it felt like it was, it was over. Right, absolutely. And now he's running a two tight ends, a lot of exactly. two tight end sets. And all of a sudden, you've got uh, you know David Njoku that is, was basically on the scrap heap at the end of last year. I had a conversation with him in December where he was like, 
you know, I, I know yeah. I'm not going to be back here if, if Freddie Kitchens is here. So uh, there are a number of players in this category that have had new life breathed into them in the new regime. Yeah, and the, and the thing to, to remember, too, about Najoku's fifth-year option, I agree, probably there's a chance it might have gotten declined by Dory. Like you said, maybe it would have gotten traded, something like that. The Browns can pick it up and still move on from him before that fifth year. Uh, it, it's only guaranteed for injury until a certain time next year, and then it becomes fully guaranteed. So I'm trying to remember, what's the uh, what was the Lions' tight end's name? Was it Eric Ebron? Ebron, Eric Ebron, They, they yeah. picked up his option. He didn't live up to expectations. They cut him before it kicked in, and then he went to Indianapolis, had a good year, and then was scored like 14 the, touchdowns here in Indy. But then was the same guy he was in Detroit after that. So, right, right. Uh, you know, it's not a real expensive option, but it is significant that uh, it's it's more likely that not only will he get picked up, but that he'll be here for year number four and maybe get a shot at year number five. Yeah, and, and I, you know, for all intents and purposes, they're going to pick it up. Yes. So I think we can... Same with ass- Miles. Yeah, I think we can assume that they're going to do that. They're going to pick up Miles' fifth-year option unless, of course, they extend him by then, but I doubt that they would have it done by May 3rd, the extension. But you never know. I mean, you never really know. So these are the kinds of uh, business matters that go on at the NFL Combine. In addition to that, Andrew Barry is here meeting with the agents for Joe Schobert, Rashard Higgins. I mean, let's talk about Joe for a minute. Uh, We heard wonderful things about Joe Schobert today. And once again, if Andrew Barry had not come on the scene, Joe would for sure have been gone, okay, 100%. He wants double-digit millions. He will be sought after on the free agent market. I think somebody is going to be willing to pay him double-digit millions, and it's just a matter of are the Browns willing to go that high. A++. That's what Kevin Stefanski said today about Joe Schobert. Again, it probably comes down to cost, right? If he's right. going to cost them $12 million, are they going to be willing to pay that? Right. Um, maybe they front load something, you know, kind of like what they did with Kirksey or, or something like that. But uh, Andrew Berry did point out the two young linebackers. You know, obviously, again, they didn't draft them. We don't know exactly what they think of both of those guys. Uh, so, so that's something to keep in mind as well. Christian Kirksey's a decision they're going to have to make. Even though he wasn't drafted by this regime, he was extended by this regime. Right. He has been dealing with injuries, but you've got to think that, well, I shouldn't say this regime, but a regime that involved Barry. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of decisions at linebacker, and Joe Schobert is really going to be the first domino there. Yeah, and then you've got, um, you have Kareem Hunt. Now, he's somebody that, I mean, you're just never really sure. When you have a player like Kareem Hunt that was brought in by, uh, John Dorsey, who takes chances on these players, and then he goes out, and we all know what happened with uh, with Kareem Hunt when he got stopped, and he you know was found with weed and smelled like alcohol, and and Jimmy Haslam kind of put him on blast, and you know you didn't really know how these guys were necessarily yeah. going to feel about him, but today they were all they really were all talking about you know what he has a future here, we want to work with him as long as he toes the line, we think that we can get some things out of Kareem Hunt. Yeah, were, were you guys surprised at all by um, the open arm embrace of a guy like Ninjoku and really Kareem Hunt today too? I mean, they really—I mean, they've been the, the coordinators have talked a, a bit about Kareem, but really um, Andrew Berry kind of put that to bed in a way today mm-hmm. that this guy's on the team. Um, and then, of course, he was reluctant to talk specifically about other things. So, was it surprising at all to to see that open arm embrace, um, or are these things that make sense considering the regime that? Barry was once a part of. 
I, I think I think it makes sense. I think they just really like Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I think it's hard not to. Right, if you sit right. down and watch what this guy can do, and Ellis, I know you recently did a, a post on him going back to his Kansas City. Right. You watch what this guy can do, mm-hmm. and it's unbelievable. And I'm, I'm sure that uh, you know they're watching that tape from last year, wondering why the heck was Kareem Hunt and not on the field more with Nick Chubb? Like yep. that should have been every every play almost, right? Uh, I think Kevin Stefanski probably looks at that. We know the kind of offense he wants to run. Heavy personnel, multiple exactly. running backs, wants a fullback, wants tight ends. So I, I'm not surprised that they're looking at Kareem Hunt and saying, let's keep this guy around. Um, you know, he's probably getting close to that last strike, mm-hmm. and he's got to know that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's hard to part ways with talent, even if you're trying to change your culture, even if you're trying to, to be a different type of team. It's really hard to part with that type of elite talent that was productive last year. Yeah, and, you know, I think they wanted to make him pay his dues last year. I think it was, uh, you know what, Nick Chubb (laughs) means everything to this football team. You know, he's Mr. Cleveland Brown. He was sort of the, you know, almost the face in uh, in a way of the Cleveland Browns last year. So when Kareem Hunt comes back off of an eight-game suspension, you know, they know that he has to rehabilitate himself in the eyes of the fans. And I don't think they wanted him coming in and supplanting Nick Chubb, you know? Right. I mean, that would have almost been, you know, just wrong. So I I think that they wanted him to kind of pay his dues, take his time, and prove how hungry he was to be here and, you know, prove that he wanted to come back and earn a longer-term deal and a longer chance with the Cleveland Browns. It was kind of a prove-it eight games for him. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and he did that on the field. Of course, off the field, there was that minor incident you alluded to. And, and now he, he's walking a thin line, as, as we've talked at length about. Um, Mary Kay, you, you asked uh, Andrew Barry this, and I thought it was an interesting response uh, about trading out of 10, his uh-huh. openness to it. Uh, his response you know, made a lot of sense. He's politically correct. They're open to anything, anything that's going to better the team. Where I'm going with this is, is there any cause a concern based on the regime he was a part of previously and how pick happy they got with trading back and notably trading out of guys like Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or does this, again, feel different with Barry and he's just sort of answering the question how he needs to? Or do you think there's serious action? Maybe not serious, but there's real possibility that movement could happen at 10. Well, you know, you absolutely 100% have to lay the groundwork for any kind of trades, whether you're going to go up two spots or even back two spots and you can still get the same guy. So you have to do that here. I certainly don't think that they're in the same situation they were in when Sashi Brown took over, and Andrew is very good at describing this. He doesn't call it what it wasn't. It was never tanking. Ellis, you're new here, (laughs) and we have got to (laughs) – we have got to – like reprogram him <laughs> and make sure he doesn't think the Browns tried to tank because yep. they didn't try to tank. Yep. What they tried to do was create assets and cap right. space. That's what they tried to do. They weren't trying to lose. They were not. I will not believe that. Do you believe that, Dan? I'm kind of in the middle. Okay. It depends what. It depends on the day. We got to reprogram Dan too now. I'm, I'm real wishy washy <laughs> on it. I don't think they were trying to tank to the extreme of getting two number one picks in a row. I mean, they. I, they, I think that was. They, you know, they, I don't know that they were necessarily trying to win in 27. Do I have my years right? 2016. Well, but I, I don't think 0 and 16 was anywhere near the plan. Because I think yeah. they wanted to try and 
be respectable in 2017. They wanted to win more than the three games that they won sure, the year sure. before. They weren't trying to win less than the three games. And you it, you don't really have to tank when you've only won three games. You're already at the bottom of the barrel. And, and for what it's worth, and again, it's a public press conference, whatever, but I asked them. Sashi Brown, straight up in a press conference, are you tanking? Right. And it was his walk-off line, no, we are not. Tanking. Right, and I, so, I believe you know, him. Yeah, I take yeah. him at face value, and you can't really admit that per se. But, you know, if they were doing that in that first year, you don't keep Joe Hayden. You don't, Fair. You don't keep Joe Thomas. You don't go out and sign RG3. Nope. You don't, you know, have Josh McCown on your roster. You know, you just, you don't spend that kind of money. Uh, I just don't think that 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 you know that that was what was going on but now andrew isn't in like going out and trying to have 14 yeah. draft picks yep. and 16 draft picks at least not to make all of those selections if they're going to acquire some picks it's to use them as uh, as money as capital yeah and i th- i think the other thing too is if they do move down it's not going to be an extreme move down i right. mean they went from 2 to 8 to 15 yeah. the first year and then the following year, they went from 12 all the way down into the 20s. Uh, I mean, those are extreme drops. And they gave up, of course, you know, one franchise quarterback and then potentially a long-term tackle when they went from 2 to 8 and then to 15. And then they gave up another potential franchise quarterback when they went from 12 into whatever the pick they used to get Jabril Pepper. So that 25, I think, something like that. Yes. So I don't think 25. it's going to be as extreme. If they do trade down... It might be because they've kind of read the tea leaves and they think the tackle they want is going to be there at 12 and they can get an extra third-round pick or something like that. I think in that situation, maybe they would. Um, But I I don't think we're going to see some extreme trade from like 10 to 27 or or anything like that. Right. I mean, that makes sense. And what I I want to ask you guys one more thing before we get out of here. Barry keeps touching on how aggressive he's going to be. Do we feel like we got any sense today and – speaking with him at length about where that aggressiveness is going to come specifically, or are we still in a wait-and-see mode and bef- until decisions can really get made? Well, it's funny you ask that. There because we go. Because people go to cleveland.com slash browns, I wrote a post on that. And I think the word aggressive is the wrong word. He's used it a couple times, but I think he used another word that's more appropriate to what he was explaining today, and that's opportunistic. Okay. They're not going to be aggressive like John Dorsey was aggressive. At least I don't think they're going to be. Where they're going to just, we're going to hit the first league year and they're going to have spent you know, hundreds of millions in cash, right? I, I think they'll probably be more opportunistic. This is the type of player we like and, you know, the right age. You know, a Jack Conklin, right? That would be a per- That's the perfect yeah. opportunistic type of guy. And so you're kind of going to be aggressive going after him. So it's going to be a little more selective, I think, than, you know, John Dorsey was, I'm just going to throw assets at the wall and try and build this team and, and try to win ASAP. And I think this team wants to win ASAP, but it's not going to be this super aggressive approach. I think it's going to be more opportunistic. Now, I know you're an English major, <laughs> but you are questioning the uh, I know the word usage of a Harvard grad <laughs> and maybe thinking that he's not completely precise in what he really means, Dan. Let's put the degrees up next to each other. Let's measure this out. <laughs> Listen, my, uh, my Kent State English degree does not <laughs> hold up next to Andrew Berry's degree or Kevin Stefanski's degree. And you know what? We, we shall see. Right. We shall see. What do you mean? I'm so curious. Yeah, I'm this, I feel the same way. What, he, what does he mean by that he wants to be defined by aggression? I mean, who could be more aggressive, like you said, than John Dorsey just was? Exactly. I mean, my goodness. 
one day, like we we like blinked and he had made like seven trades. The whole quarterback room was wiped out. I mean, like seven, eight trades. That had been a fun day. day for you. Oh yeah. <laughs> It was a fun day for yeah, both of us. I think Dan was at the vet that day with his oh, dog. Was that was at, no, no, that was the Brock Osweiler day. <laughs> but yeah, the day when they tra- added Terod Taylor and Jarvis Landry. Yes. And then they went out and signed a bunch of starters. Oh, yeah. It was an absolute, I mean, you just couldn't insane. take your eyes they off the They acquired Demaryius Randall. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was nuts. Right. So, I mean, that's what I think of when I think of aggression. So I'm very curious to see what his definition of aggression is. Yep. And maybe it doesn't all happen in, you know, one season. Uh, or or maybe he's got some things up his sleeve and he will surprise us. Yep. So, you know, that's why I'm kind of like peeking around the corner thinking, are you going to make a big trade? Are you going to, you know? Right. Uh, so I think it'll be very, very interesting to see what he means by that. Yeah, I think it's going to be more of, the sense I got today at least, is it's going to be more of, you know, we're not going to go into free agency thinking we're going to spend a ton of money. We're going to... Right. But when an opportunity presents itself to get a, again, that name, I'm going to bring up that, uh, Jack Conklin, or, uh, yeah. you know, somebody else who fits that mold, a guy looking for a second contract, who's in his mid-20s. Anthony Harris. There guy like go. Anthony Harris, right? Yeah, yeah, like opportunities like that, that's when they're going to go get it, and including trades, right? So the right guy becomes available, and Stefan Diggs becomes available in a trade. Hey, you know, maybe we want him, or, you know, situations like that, I, I think is... It's not going to be necessarily going out and looking looking all the time, but it's going to be, hey, when this opportunity presents itself, we're going to throw our hats in the ring and be aggressive to make it happen. And, you know, I talked to a lot of people on the phone today, and you talk to a lot of people at the Combine when, you know, when you're out and about or even just walking in the hallway. And I asked somebody today after Andrew Berry said what he said, and I think I was one of the only people that actually kind of wrote that that way, that he would listen to offers for Odell Beckham Jr. I asked somebody about that. And, uh, and this person uh, who has dealings in the NFL said, yeah, I think he would. I think yeah. they would definitely listen to offers and that they would move him if somebody made them an offer that they cannot refuse. Right, which is sort of the example of if the right offer comes along, they'll be aggressive. Right. But maybe they're not going into it thinking we're absolutely going to trade this guy. But... You make the right offer, we're right. not going to hang up the phone. Right, and and it wasn't a situation where, because, you know, in the next breath they were saying things like, um, you know, he's part of our future. I can't remember, you know, what the exact sure. wording was, but yeah. it was, we think very highly of Odell, he is part of our future, and all of those kind of flowery types of things. So I don't think they are the ones picking up the phone or running around Indy saying, what will you give right. us for Odell Beckham Jr.? Right, I right. don't think it's like that at all. But if somebody calls them and says, hey, what would you think of this? He will at least listen. And he noted that he came from the Eagles mm-hmm. where, you know, he, he talked about how he rose him in and how he learned from one of the best wheeler dealers in the NFL. And, uh, and he was also here with John Dorsey when John Dorsey did that. So he has seen it happen like yep. that. And I just, I think he's got some draft capital and he's in some players and he's not afraid to use them. Yep. And look, I don't need to sit here and sell Odell Beckham Jr. to anyone, but long before Odell came to Cleveland, you got team, teams like the Rams looking at him. They might be running out of first-round picks to trade here, right. but uh, there's no secret his, him and Tom Brady's connection. Uh, I was even listening to Mike Mayock of the Raiders talk today, and they're in desperate need of a receiver. And right. He admitted they haven't solved the Antonio Brown problem. Right. So 
look, people are going to, if they want Odell, they of course know who to call, and he's available, it sounds like, for what, the right number. What about the what about the Patriots? If, if they want to entice Tom Brady to come back. Yep. I mean, I watched Odell and Tom Brady huddling up in oh, the hallway yeah. oh, in yeah. New England. You yep. know? Yep. Goat shoot. I, goat I mean, you can, you can make a case for, you know, Vegas is really interesting. They're opening a new stadium. They need a guy. city. Right. Uh, you know, if the Rams had any assets, I bet they would be <laughs> right. in on it because they're moving into a new stadium. Yep. Right. What if the Chargers, want, you know, again... Moving into a new stadium, nobody cares about them in LA. So man, maybe they want to make a splash. I don't know. There's a lot of different scenarios where that name recognition of Odell Beckham Jr. is going to sell some tickets, yes. right, and it's going to help your offense. And it, there are some a lot of scenarios out there where I think a team might be willing to give something really good up for him. And I keep coming back to uh, when I, I talked to him last year. He said 2020 is going to be the best year of my life, and I keep thinking. I mean, I love Olmstead Falls. I mean, <laughs> I love Olmstead Falls. It's a wonderful community, but. Do you really have the best year of your life living in Olmstead Falls? Come on. Yep. Nope. Mary Kay's onto something there. On that. On that note, uh, listeners, look, it's all speculation until it isn't, of course. Right. So we'll find out. Um, before we get out of here, anything else you guys want to add? We, we're going to come at you guys every every day with a pod here. So if we don't get it today, we'll, we'll cover it tomorrow. But anything else before we get out of here? Um, I, I just want to say. I like Olmstead Falls, too. <laughs> we love Olmstead Falls. Go Bulldogs. Falls. We saw Freddie last night. We saw Freddie Kitchens out last night. Freddie Kitchens but was out. We, Memories. You know, we kind of didn't really have a conversation with him. He was a very popular guy, though. He was a popular guy. He was spending a lot we'll of time talking we'll to him. We'll leave it there. Yeah, we will leave it there. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. That's fair. All right, listeners. Uh, quick reminder. Look, if you guys want to become friends of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, um, if you're not already a subscriber... Go ahead and shoot me a text to join our community and get daily insight, analysis, and breaking news from myself and our Browns team. Of course, Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, Scott Pascoe, and myself. Here's my number, 216-208-3965. Again, 216-208-3965. Text me to get a free trial. Look, you can cancel any time, but you won't want to. I'm serious. All right, y'all. For myself, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, we're signing off from the NFL Scouting Combine, but we'll be right back here tomorrow with another podcast for y'all. Take care.